0: my, I was like, you know, it was like me and like two other white people, and then everyone else was either, you know, Mexican or black or something, and we just, we just skateboarded together, and we played basketball, so it didn't really any make sense, but then when I was in the, I was in the Marine Corps, and, you know, you see firsthand the racism thing, and you're just like, this is the stupidest thing on earth, so you, I mean, and so when we, when we learned about, like, the civil rights movement, how could people have treated anybody that way? It doesn't make any sense to us now, but it happened, and it still happened, I don't want to be, like I said, I don't want to be ignorant, it still happens today. But injustice, it, it makes us, it makes us, you know, it, it's, it's terrible. Deliberate insults. Everyone says they don't care what other people think, but then that makes everyone a liar. Because when anyone insults you, you get super mad. If you don't, you're lying. I don't want to, if you don't, come talk to me after and I'll insult you. We'll see what happens. But, no, no, I'm not going to do that. But being insulted, right? It's like the worst thing. Did you just insult me? My honor is hurt. Jesus was, was insulted. And that must, have been, that must have been a crazy thing. Because if you look at it, when Jesus is before the Sanhedrin, and they say, are you the son of the most high God? Jesus says, I am. And, they, and you know, that response, that, was, that's, that, is the, um, res- that is what God said to Moses in the burning bush. The Sanhedrin, they would have known what Jesus was saying. But Jesus wasn't saying that for the first time. That was the second time that God told his people, I am. The first time was when he told it to Moses. The second time was when he was getting being ready to sacrifice again to save them and having that opportunity. And they insulted him. Suffering from physical pain, I probably would have died on the whip number 15 of that 40 thing. Let's just be honest. Like I, if if you're whipping me with with leather straps that are filled with metal and bone and glass, and you know, I, a lot of people did a lot of people uh, when they're getting whipped like that they would they would hit, they would hit an artery if you hit nick an artery you know that's it you're done you're going to die in the physical pain that that he that he went through suffering from great humiliation you know i think for the sake of the movies they they kind of put like you know the the cross you know diaper thing on i don't think he had i, I think he was i don't think he had clothes on that's pretty humiliating and the, and, and and all that all that he That happened to him, and what he is telling these men um, that is close to him, what's going to happen that he went through, I don't think comes close to what he really, truly didn't want to experience was our sin. He wanted to experience it in the fact he wanted to save humanity. But for the first time in eternity, God was going to understand what it was like to be separated from his father. Something that he didn't deserve that. That's that's injustice. He didn't deserve to take our sin, but he was willing to take that. In fact, in the garden, what does he say to the Lord? What does he say to God the Father, "If there is any other way to do this, let this cup pass from me." Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And as I'm looking back and I'm thinking about it, you know, with with in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, you look, you know, you look at all the things that Paul suffered, and even Paul considers himself unworthy to suffer these things for the sake of the sake of what uh, of Christ. The same thing. It's like if anyone asks you what it's like to be a Christian, don't read them 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and the things that Paul went through because they're terrible. It's like, oh, this is what happens when you're born again. You, get, you know, like he said, he was, he was in the ocean. Paul was like uh, shipwrecked and floating in the water. Floating in the water in like 40 BC, uh, AD was just not the way. It's not the way to go now with all our technology, you know. But to do it back then without the technology, you know, there, it's not like the Coast Guard was driving their boats around. You completely had a really like God. You're gonna get me out of here. There's you know there's Mediterranean sharks here. You know and 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 you know for the it's just the suffering of the first and for the first time in eternity Jesus go is going to be separated from his father. Oh my uh, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's never felt that before. And he took that sin. And I think in that moment is when and and he dies. That's when he crushed it. You know I. You know, I don't I don't ever wanna I don't ever want to experience that and I don't want my people to experience that. And he died for he died for your sins. So you profess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he died and rose from the dead and you call upon his name, you will be saved. It's really not that complicated, and it's really not that hard. And then what do we do? What do we do after that? Well then yeah, we start going to church, not because church saves us, but because we want to be better, right? When we come together as like-minded individuals, when we start to get excited about the thing that we love the most in the world, which is the Lord Jesus, things start to happen. When you get excited about anything, like if you're in some kind of club or if you're, you know, I don't know, whatever you're excited about. You know, if you're in a gun club, you come and talk about gun stuff, you get excited about shooting guns, right? Whatever it is. And that's, what, that's what's going on here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14 says, And if Christ had not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. If none of this happened, this is complete foolishness. Because, you know, the Beatitudes is not like the um, step-by-step guide to, succe- to succeeding in business, right? Being humble and blessed are the weak. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, great. But, no, these things are, these things are what's important in the kingdom of heaven, not in the kingdom of, of um, I don't know, earth. I should have wrote something better there. That would have been more catchy. But, like, you know, that it's, it's what's important to, to God because he wants us to be about people. He wants us to be about him. That should be first and foremost but he also wants us to be about people. That's why legalism is terrible. That's, you know, and that's why on the opposite end of the coin, that's why hyper grace is awful. You know, I can sin and do whatever I want. I'm saved. No, that's not the born again attitude. And so they knew they they had, and and them knowing Jesus saying these things is a big deal to them. Uh, uh, Because later on, he he does rise from the dead and they, they see it with their own eyes. Verse twenty. Then the mother of Zebedee's son came to him with her sons kneeling down and asking for some asking something from him. He said to her, "What do you wish?" She said to him, "Grant that these two sons of mine may still may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom." But Jesus answered and said, "You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with?" They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself, saying, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are... Um, uh, those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if you were at the leadership meeting, my, uh, my I said I was going to say my Jesus, my dad, who's not Jesus. Uh, about in John and how Jesus washed feet. You know, not only I mean, let alone Jesus died on the cross for your sins and took your place as punishment, but he also got in the lowest position as a, even if you look at Jesus as a rabbi, rabbis did not did not take off their tunics, you know, and kind of you know, get themselves together and get on their knees and wash the feet of their disciples. It was the other way around. But yet yeah, Jesus did that. God it doesn't seem like God should be washing our feet. We should be washing the feet of God, yet God, God came and served us. God did every every single thing that we ought to be doing, and I would ask you right now: Are you doing those things? Are you serving? Are you loving? Are you laying your life down for your, for for each other? Let, you know, just the people that you love, even. Let alone let alone your enemy. And so we 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 have something here. We have an interesting situation, and it's funny that uh, it's funny to me. We have uh, we have. The mother of Zebedee coming, some Jewish mom saying, you know, trying to put their put her sons in a good position with God. That's funny. I don't know. I I see the humor in that. You know, hey, you know, oy vey, here's my son. Make him powerful. No, but I don't know if my mom would do that for me or not. I have no idea. But it's, it's 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 still it's it's something I noticed here is is the sons of Zebedee they started following Jesus, and so did the mom. I don't know if you've ever noticed that because i've there's i I didn't like look up the look up the um survey on it but um it's something like when when in a house when a child starts going to church and following the lord like the percentage is, is really low like the rest of the family will but when a mother starts doing it the percentage is a little bit higher but when the husband or the man of the house starts starts going to church and starts following the lord it's like something like 90 something percent of the house will become born again and start going to church if if men, you start leading them in that way. And I think that's kind of what happened here. You know, it doesn't say if they're, I don't know if the, I'm imagining the father kept his business going. He was a fisherman. But I think he also, he also would have followed. And as as you see, it was a family thing. As the family, um, as the family went after after these things, um, the rest of the family joined in. And I think that's kind of encouraging, and it, and it should it should say something to us as believers. First, before we get into the rest of this, is we need to be bringing our families to these things. And as you start setting that example, and as the head of the house, you start enforcing this, then I think that's what comes in. We're raising a child in the way they should go, and in the end, they will they will not depart from it because it's in them. It's who they are. I mean, just just with anything in life, if you're really into like, you know. Um, supercross and motorcycles and you and you tear apart motorcycles with your son, he's odds are he's probably gonna be he's probably gonna be into that. You know, and, and knowing your family. So lead your family to the cross. Um, in Matthew oops. Oops. in Matthew chapter uh, 4 21 through twenty-two going on from there, he, Jesus he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat was Zebedee their father, mending the nut, rending the nets. He called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And so it's it's kind of cool that we see Jesus was following. Uh, I mean, we see that uh, the mom was following because her sons did. Maybe you have maybe you have family members who are not born again. Maybe you have family members that are not saved. You be that example because they'll see that in you, and you you, you keep you, you pray without ceasing for your children. Because what what oh, I forgot to saying Because last week it's like we, we wonder when God's. You know how when when God's gonna start moving to us? But you, oh, I'm gonna ruin this, and I forgot this stupid expression. It's okay, hold on. It's a uh, it's it's when you think of it's when we when you get annoyed or impatient on how long uh, on waiting for God to do something in your life. Think of how long He waited for you to come to Him. and It's like man, I get that. And so in that, um, you know, your family, you're the example of that. You're the shining light, you, and they'll see the goodness of God through you in that. Matthew 27:56 says among whom were Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James and and Josie, and the mother of Zebedee's son. I put she followed Jesus. She was even at the cross, so was her son John. John was also there. Here is what I have been saying, here is what I have been saying about discipleship. It's a family thing. It's it's if discipleship's important. It's it's it should be something seeped into our very um con- uh into our very not yes our conduct but who we are as human beings. It's it's what we should. It's not. It, you shouldn't. I don't think we should necessarily just look at discipleship as just a church thing, as as something that falls under the realm of theology. And then and then I'm a you know I'm a I'm a I'm a window glazer, you know and and whatever. No, discipleship should be a continued twenty four hours, seven days a week thing in your life that you do. Whether you're a father into your wife or your children or or whoever God has you pouring into. Like I said, this person should be allowed at your home whenever. They should be allowed to call you whenever. Um, you know, my mom. My mom disciples have women, and, and you know, seeing that, it's, it's that's what I'm saying is, is we need to do that. And I think that's what kind of happens here. Become part of the family. It's been in their everyday lives, so that it only made sense that these women would be at the tomb, continuing on doing what they doing something that they believe in. We see as a part of the family follows Jesus, the whole family does. Lead your families; they will have their relationship with the Lord. Exodus four twenty five. Then uh, Zephora took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, "Surely you are a husband of blood to me." She was doing that because Moses wasn't. Moses, Moses gets tasked. The Lord, the Lord um, talks to him through a burning bush. Gets, it's like he gets some old pump to go and, and you know bring it on against Pharaoh. He starts to go and then, and then immediately the Lord turns around to come and kill him. Like whoa, What's going on? Is Jesus bipolar? Like what's happening? Why is he getting all mad? No, it's it's because Moses was being disobedient. Who rose up to the occasion was his wife. Lead your families. You see, it was the you see it with the Marys, with Zebedee's the Zebedee's wife. You see it right here with Zephora. Lead your families in it. Let it be a part of who you are. Let discipleship be a 24-hour thing, not just something you do at church. You know, okay, well let me just go talk to so and so who kind of sits in the corner Sundays no have, have them over for dinner you know how many of you are sitting here you have you have you have homes and you have cars and you have successful lives and you can pour that into a young person lead your families she's trying to um i like here she's trying to hook up hook up her son something probably a, a jewish mom would have been all about um back then um, putting her sons in, in a... In a I, I, li- I just, I like the way she's thinking. It's like, okay, if there really is a kingdom, and you really are who you say you are, well, then can you know can my two sons have a have a position here? I just like that sort of thing because that's how I think. Like, I, I'm not kidding. I get really, really excited about the aspect of the thousand year reign of Christ, ruling and reigning. Like, even to the point where I'm, I probably my wife thinks I'm, I'm a maniac, but like, talking, like, thinking about, like, I wonder if I can have, like. um you know a mansion in the side of a cliff in washington you know so like the front my front lawn off my balcony is just waves hitting and in the backs like the the washington rainforest and then you, will i be able to just go to heaven whenever i want you know is that, i don't know i don't have a clue how it's going to work in the thousand year reign but that, that's what i think about you know what am i gonna be able to do can I, walk, can I walk into the throne room of god and have super shiny like christian armor on or something like you know i don't know that's exciting to me i like the idea that i could sit there and talk to jesus whenever i want can I go across the galaxy? I don't know. I have no idea what's going to be possible. God, all things are possible. He made it, but but I'm excited, and I think she kind of thinks that way too. And it could be a lot of the whole Messiah restoring Rome thing in her head, but she's she, the the fact that she loves her she loves her kids. Um, the background for this request would be Matthew nineteen twenty-eight from last um, twenty-two through twenty-three of, of chapter twenty. You, but Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am able to drink and be baptized with um, the baptism that I am baptized they, um, with? They said, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with this baptism and that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for, it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. One thing that kind of hit me is, behave as if you are sitting at the right or left hand of God. But that should be our conduct 24 hours a day, not just discipleship, but like maybe maybe that I am at the right hand of of the Lord Jesus in his kingdom, that it starts now, that 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 your conduct, you know, as people know, Okay, well, you know, Sean's close to God. People should know that about, you you know, what Sean represents, Jesus. Oh, you're great. Here comes Sean. He's a Christian. (laughs) But that kind of aspect. Or that kind of aspect, that kind of thing in your life. Let, let, you know, behave now as if you do sit at the right hand of God, because you know what? you do sit with God daily. You do represent. He lives in your heart. Your your temple. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and uh, and so we should be we should be acting that way. It's funny that he asked him, "Will they be able to drink those things?" They answer pretty fast that they would be able to. I don't know if they just knew who they were as human beings. The you know John and James, because one gets hacked to pieces like right away, right? James, I think Herod like cuts him. Like cuts him down. He's like the first martyr, and then, uh, and then John. John doesn't. As Christian tradition shows us John never gets outright martyred. I think he may be the only one that doesn't get martyred. But man, the guy had a terrible like life as far as um, you know things that happened to him. You know, I think he was boiled. It says that he was boiled in oil, which can't be a fun life. You know, if you look at what what happens when your body's burned, it's it's like the worst thing in the world. That could have been what eventually killed him, even if you think about it you know, being, 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 having your body burned like that, its you know, the affections that would happen. And I don't, I don't know, who knows, maybe he was, I think I asked my mom why he didn't die and then she said because God protected him uh, back then. So maybe he did, maybe he was healed, I don't know. But he was, he was uh, tradition says that he was, uh, what do you call it, exiled into an island, you know, not to be around anybody. And, and Christian tradition says a lot, you know, one thing it says about John is like he would go up to speak at churches in different places that they met in the early church. And everyone was really excited because, oh, they were going to listen to John. John was the one that Jesus loved, right? He wrote John. He was around Jesus. And he would go up, and that literally the things that John would say that were so, you know, so super Christian deep was love God and love people. And then he would, like, sit down. This, this is something I've heard, like, that some of the things that John would do because he knew what it was all about. It was all about the Lord, your relationship with God, and then loving other people. Both in, both James and John had to be baptized in suffering as Jesus was, um, but their cups and baptisms were different. James was the first martyr among the apostles, and John was the only apostle to not die for martyrdom. Though he it wasn't for a lack of trying, they tried to kill John on multiple occasions. To sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It's, if you notice here, Jesus here shows a remarkable remarkable submission to his father. He would not even uh, claim the right to choose how his servants were rewarded but yield that to his father it's and, and, and he doesn't you know you can see the heart of the Lord Jesus that he doesn't care about positions you know that he's leaving that and he's submitting you see that attitude something again that I realized a while ago that you know I always thought God like event like, like pride's evil prides a sin but God's allowed to be prideful because he's God and he's supreme but then God spoke to me he's like I don't have an ounce of pride in my body Pride's a sin why would I be the only one allowed to do it? I don't I don't tolerate sin you know, and it's and you see that that the supreme God who spoke everything into existence is humble, is good, you know, and and so I I, I just I realize that, and it's like, well, then what reason do I have to be prideful? And you don't. Know. Um, he comes to not do his own will, but but the will of him will of him that sent him, and so he correctly says the um, says of rank in his kingdom is not mine to give. How thoroughly did our Lord take a lowly place for our sake? In the laying aside of authority, he gives a silent rebuke to our self-seeking. Twenty-four to twenty-eight. And when they heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called um, them to himself and said, "You know what the rulers of the Gentil- that the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant." And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. You shall not yet; it shall not be so among you. And it's obviously Jesus talking to his apostles on this conduct. It's funny that they're kind of insulted. Um, one aspect this is this you can take if we're going we're going to take this aside and go away from what I'm saying for a second. But one aspect here that you can consider is as many people believe, but it doesn't necessarily make it true because the Bible doesn't outright say it, and I'm not saying this is actual fact, but many believe that John and James and Zebedee could have been related to Jesus, and that's why she was, she was bold enough to come to him because she was related to him, and it kind of makes sense. Um, and that could have also explained why the other apostles were annoyed because, wait, you're using your closeness, you know, but it's not— actual biblical fact it's something i've heard before and you could take that and, and research it all you want and it just the the fact is the bible doesn't outright say that but uh, it makes it can make sense um but it's funny that they're annoyed at it you know like hey i think they're more annoyed that why didn't we think of that you know <laughs> uh, to try to get position but jesus rebukes that and he doesn't want them doing that but it's not just to their behavior or their conduct it's also to us right we're reading these things and jesus doesn't want his church doing you can call me anything you want you can call you know you can you can call my dad pastor he's the pastor whatever but i know my father he doesn't care about you know care about titles you can call me assistant i always joke like i always joke when people go so what are you i go "I'm the um the dean the dean archbishop you know i just make up stupid titles you know like because i don't care i'm just i'm just i'm just this guy that for some reason people show up and listen to um but Jesus doesn't want us pursuing those things. He doesn't want the church to be about positions and titles and, and glory in that because God gets the glory. He wants, he wants us to be about making disciples. The great commi- Our mission is the great commission, right? Is to make disciples is what the church is supposed to be. Title and position is not, what, is not what a man or woman of humility is about. Jesus obviously didn't want the church worrying about that. He wants us to worry about making disciples. That's what God values, us and how we treat each other. Humble service uh, is a great pre-re- pre-rescue, it, as shown by Jesus' own ministry. Service service is what will be rewarded. Discipleship is done in humility, relationship in serving God, and relationship in serving people. And And Jesus is the ultimate in that, right? You look at Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry and, and, he, and everything that he did do, and then what happens, he dies and rises again, and he's at the right hand of, of glory. And so, and so, I don't know exactly about you know the specific rewards that we are going to get in heaven. But if we if we're following the example of the Lord Jesus, there's going to be a great reward in heaven for you. But I think that's even more than just going up there and having like you know you know oh I have like four pieces of heaven property in heaven because of what I did. But I think it's when you look and you see the people that you love in heaven with you. And that's going to be a huge part of that reward when you get there. Discipleship starts and ends at the cross. Discipleship starts and ends with Jesus. And to give his life for a ransom for many. The death of Jesus, the giving of his life, purchased the freedom of his people. The idea is that the people were in bondage as slaves and he paid their price. A ransom is something paid or given to liberate a man from a situation from which it is impossible to free himself. And that's what sin did to us. That's what sin continues to do for us. But we can be free. We can be wiped clean. And God can look at you like he looks at his son Jesus when you call upon his name and you become a born-again believer. <laughs> Isaiah 53, 11 through 12 says, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his, his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sins of many and made intercession for their transgressors. We are God's reward. And so as, as we are the reward of the Lord Jesus for what he did on the cross, why in the world should we go around behaving as if we deserve something? Because if we got what we deserved, it would be death and sin. But we, we, we are getting the reward that Jesus, that Jesus got, which is ourselves. And so we ought to be treating each other in love, in discipleship, as Jesus commands. If we're the reward of the Lord Jesus, we ought to be obeying him. And, and as you call upon that name, as his re- and, you, and you say, I am your reward, Lord. I, I call upon your name, please make me born again, come into my life. Well, then you need to start obeying, because Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. And in that obedience, we, 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 we actively pursue discipleship. And we become what? Servants. And the more of a servant's heart that you come, the greater you are in the kingdom of heaven. And you can see that because that's what Jesus did. And that's just something like as I was talking with the term boys uh, today is, is with that, you know, I don't know what they call super discipleship thing, whatever that is. It's, it's, that's what I kind of want to create, not create, but that's what I kind of want to put into whoever decides to come to this. That we become better Christian men or better Christian women. And this is not just with some ministry, but that we actively look to serve. Not just each other and in, in, in getting excited about these things like getting out of debt or, or you know, or, or how to serve better, but serving um, from an aspect of a servant's heart. Last thing before we close, this last little thing, and I, I really, really like this, um, wherever I'm at. Verse 29, now as they, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men sitting by the road... When they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that, um, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Again, Jesus serving, and, and, and I like that he, he touched him, but something, just one little small like tidbit before we close. You know what I like about this the most is, is uh, these blind men, as they're calling, they're, they're saying son of David. That was, that was a way to try to get the attention of, a, of someone who thought they were the Messiah. You know, it's a, son of David is a Jewish term for Messiah. <laughs> Excuse me. And as they're, um, as they're crying, you know, he, he goes, Jesus comes up to him. You know what's crazy about that? The very, very first thing they ever saw in their in their lives, when they finally were able to see, was the face of Jesus. And, and like, let's just let's just you know take a shot in the dark here and say they they became born again. You know, let's say they went to heaven. Can you imagine seeing that face again? You know, seeing the face you see the face of God. That's the very first thing that you see because you're healed by Him, and He's sitting there right in front of you and then you die and you open your eyes in heaven and again there's the face of God and I think we need to open the eyes of people now I mean I don't know if you're ever going to encounter a blind person and then try to like open their eyes You know, that'd be cool if that works let me know you can come up and teach then or you can tell us what happened But, but how many people are just blind to the truth if you don't believe me there's a whole section over here where people could be sitting how many people are blind to it we could be opening people's eyes for the Lord. And again, I don't think it's necessarily, I'm not sitting up here saying you need to go sit on a soapbox in, in uh, downtown wherever and start yelling at people. I'm not saying you should be going door to door, although if God's putting that on your heart, go knock on people's door if you want. Just don't get like, bit by their dogs. But I think it's in discipleship. I think it's in reaching people that are blind. Because when you're blind, you're in pain. When you're blind, you're not seeing where to go. You don't know what to do. And I think, I think the goodness of God will open their eyes when they see the Lord Jesus in your life. And I think that's what we ought to be doing as we make disciples. I think as we make disciples, let's say we have this, this let's say discipleship really, you know, really starts to take off at Calvary Chapel, Ontario. I think people are going to see that and see the results of that and see the goodness of that. And, you know, like, man, there's, there's lives being changed. What, what are they doing that's so odd? I want to go see. Something's happening because you know because you know you know I'm not saying health and wealth but but people are going and you know I can see the joy and the peace in their lives. I think that's through discipleship. I think that's through loving your neighbor as yourself, and I think that's what, what God's trying to relate to us here, to open the eyes of the lost so that they could see Him. Lord Jesus, we once again call upon Your name, Lord, and we just ask that You would open our eyes even more, Lord, that You would that we would see You, Lord, and and. Lord, that we would see your face. Lord, as we see your face, as we come to you in prayer, as we see your face, as we come to you in your word, as you speak back to us, and in fellowship with each other, Lord, as, as you have commanded God. When we do communion, when we, when we meet after service, Lord, when we go to one another's homes, when we're serving in ministry, when we're talking to someone who's asking about you, Lord, or what it, what it means to be born again, Lord. Lord, I know how excited I get when, when, when we see the effects of ministry, when we see the lost coming to salvation, God. Lord, let that be the desire and the driving um, passion of us, Lord, is to, is to see people become born again. Lord, we're here, and we're willing, and we're ready, Lord. So just put it on our hearts and put people in our lives, Lord, that we can reach this week, God, to, to, to pray with them, to ask you into their hearts, Lord. Fill us, God, with your Holy Spirit. Use us, Lord. We want to be used. We pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, I really don't know what's. uh if you would all stand, please. I don't know what's um, anything coming up per se. I was just in a leadership meeting, and I don't know anything happening. No. All right. Hope you all listen to Sean. Talk to you guys later.